Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And this is actually our 50th episode. Yay. I don't know if you've been keeping track of that or... Yeah, I have. So 50, it's a big deal. It's our 50th episode. Sheesh. That means we're two away away from a year. And it'll be 52, which means it'll be one year. And we're officially capping our first season. Man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm really, you know, when we started this last year, we didn't know where this was going to go, you know, what it was going to do. and We knew we were having fun, but... uh... We yeah. didn't realize we'd we'd have the community we have. Yeah, and, and the friends we've met. Friends we've met and also friends that we already have that we've discovered love nostalgia stuff as much as we right. do. It's been really cool. It's it's really been great. It it's done everything we've wanted it to do, I think for me and you. Yes. And more. It started with this labor of love, really, just mm-hmm. an attempt to really re experience, to reawaken. Yeah. I think it's a better word. The feeling of, of growing up in, in the late 80s, 90s, what I consider really a golden age, a late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. You know. And it's been cool to always, every week, come back and discuss these things that just made us light up as kids, especially in right. light of how heavy the world is now. We would have never known that. A year yeah. ago, we would have never known that we would seriously need some lighthearted, right. you know, memories to look back on. Yeah, and... If you would have asked me if I thought we could keep it going for 50 episodes <laughs> every Thursday faithfully, yeah, um, it, it would have seemed overwhelming. But we've had such a good time. We've met so many wonderful people. And we've also just, again, like you said, even the people we've already known have really been like, hey, this is cool. And, you know, so. And again, when I talk about the golden age of the late 80s, early 90s, that doesn't mean that there weren't great things in the early 80s or in the late 90s. In fact, uh, what we're talking about today is a Disney original movie from the late 90s. Yes, exactly. But still, it's in that 90s decade. It's in wh- the bracket. Which I think was still pure magic. It was, But, truly. you know, I, I truly believe that there is that golden age of where I think all the, you know, it's like there's something about when I find something around 91, 92, 93. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, we were just in a comic uh, comic book shop. We were right. at a, at a uh, flea market. And when I saw, I got a couple comics. Brooke actually got one. Yes. Do you know what year that, Brooke got a Dracula comic. I got it. I need to look. It's old. Like okay. For sure. I need to look at it, but it's yeah. super awesome. I got an X-Men comic and a Amazing Spider-Man comic that I actually owned when I was in the comic book club at the local comic store um, That's in, such in my a hometown. cute sentence. <laughs> yeah. Well, the way it worked was this. So not, not to go on a massive sidebar, but you know. Uh, just real quick. So the way it worked was this little comic book store is like a hole in the wall and it was run by a bunch of true believer fans. They just loved comics. They had a little shop and what you did was as long as you came every week and purchased, I think like a comic or so you had to kind of regularly be a customer to be, or or they drop you from the club and then they would ask you, okay, what comics do you want us to set aside for you? And this is what they would do. Anytime there was a new comic, like for instance, if it was The Amazing Spider-Man, which right. I, I that was my comic, The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, no, you're a Spider-Man guy. Through From the storylines to the the artwork, the way he was drawn, because there were several reiterations of Spider-Man. Right. Or several iterations. I don't know reiterations. There were several <laughs> iterations of Spider-Man. Spectacular Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. They were drawn differently. They had different art. You know, they, they were just different. And there was something for everyone, even within the universe of Spider-Man. Yeah. But, I love the Amazing Spider-Man. So basically what you got to do was 
whatever comic books you you wanted to subscribe to, essentially, as soon as they got a shipment in, they would sit one aside for you. Oh, that's cool. And I found a comic that I actually got. It's and it's a great a great story. I haven't even really flipped through it or read it. Yeah. But I saw the cover and said, I remember having this. Aww. And Venom is in it. It's just, you know, and it's a great cover. But the bottom line is, is when I saw that 1993, which <laughs> was, you know, uh, at the, the comic, the Spider-Man was like 92, 93, but the X-Men comic specifically that I got was from 93. Wow. I just lit up. So <laughs> it's just that period of time that that we love. And But we just can't believe we've been doing this for 50 episodes. I know, it's and, crazy. You know, in two weeks it'll be a year, and we will... Like I said, that'll crown our first season as the tape store. Yes. And we'll begin season two, second year. And we have no plans on stopping. And we nope. just and we want to thank you guys. We always usually thank you guys at the end. But we want to thank you guys for being with us, for making it all this way. And for if you're new, we're happy to have you. And if you've been with us, we're happy to still yes. have you. And we appreciate your time and can't believe that you listen to I us. I know. It's still very surreal. But we truly love you. So this week, what are we talking about? Let's okay, so we're embarking on yet another new-to-us movie, even though it is not new. Um, it was new to me. Did you see it? I'd never seen it, and and the reason oh. being is because um, this particular film that we're going to talk about it was a Disney Channel original, and I did not have cable growing up. So let's go ahead and break the suspense. So what the is suspense it? is, it's a classic. Everyone who has commented on it is like, oh my God, this movie, it is Halloween Town. Yes. And it is every bit as magical as people are saying it is. And yeah, it's I great. hate that I didn't see it as a kid because see the late nineties for me, I was I was still young. I was still a kid kid. Right. And I was actually just starting college and was kind of beginning to begin my departure, I think, from like, yeah. a lot of the kid stuff. You know, I, I You would probably work... wouldn't have watched this like necessarily on your own. Possibly. Right. Well, not only that, you made a comment. The Disney Channel was pretty exclusive during this, during this time. It was. It was not just like built into the package. I actually want to do an episode on just the Disney Channel. I remember like in the in the late 80s, early 90s yeah. when it was incredibly exclusive and eventually it became more available, but unless yeah. you had the Disney Channel, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have gotten this movie. Yeah, there was just out. stuff you just didn't see. You heard about it. So Halloween Town was not on my radar, right? Because I just didn't have it. And now I'm sure you know it came to VHS and stuff like that. But you know, so I think I just I think I kind of missed the hype train. So I just never I never saw it. Um, but uh, we watched it because now thanks to Disney Plus, yes. we have access to all the Disney, and we of course loved it. It it really was a lot of fun. And last week we did Ernest Scared Stupid. This week we're, uh, we're doing Halloween Town. So we've opened High Spooky Month <laughs> rather lightheartedly. Yeah. But of trust us, it's going to take a turn starting next week. And we're it's really excited. It's going to get dark. We're really excited about, Literally. Ne- about next, week, uh, next week's episode of the Tape Store. It's going to get dark. And then we're going to finish it off. Um, but we're going to get the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be good. So we're excited about the rest of this month. But we're I'm excited be, about today. I'm going to be a little bit depressed when October is over. I'm not going to lie. I, I always mean, I was. am every year. I always was. Yeah. So the tape store number 50 again is Halloween Town. It's a Disney original movie, as Brooke so eloquently said. <laughs> you put it so great when you said it was a Disney original movie. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> it was directed by a guy named Dwayne Dunham, which actually had, he, this guy has done a lot. And I'm gonna, really? I'm gonna I'm gonna read two movies that he directed. Okay. And then I'm gonna talk about some things he he did some work on before he got into directing. Okay. And th- this guy, he he is he's been in good company. He packs a punch. He does. I've never heard of him. 
but he has been in great company throughout his film career and has done some great films. Homeward Bound. Oh, geez. Great movie. Yes. That was his. That was his directorial debut. He directed a great movie. I mean, Ugh. Homeward Bound is a good Man, movie. Man, Shadow in that dang mud pit. I can't. I think it's the it's best dog movie. I th- dog <laughs> animal. I know that sounds. It sorry. was. I you know, know that. I best. mean, that's not a large pool, but as dog movies go, it's definitely at the I top. mean, look, it's my favorite. Let me just. It's in my opinion. No, I remember, that was one of those that would that I would rewind as soon as it was over. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I have fond memories of Homer Bound. I loved it. He also directed Little Giants. Good grief. Right, which we have done an episode Yeah, on. I was going to say, we've covered that one. Yeah, number 16. The Tape Store episode number 16 was The Little Giants. And again, great movie. So those are two films he has directed. Okay. You know, before he did Halloween Town. Yeah. This guy also did editing work on all three original Star Wars trilogy films. Sheesh. Yeah, Star Wars, The New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. Get out. He did editing work on America and Graffiti, which was uh, George Lucas's first, you know, really, that kind of put him on the map. Yeah. And he also did some editing work on Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. He has had a lot of collab with George Lucas. And Halloween Town, again, another another great notch on his belt. Dwayne Dunham. Wow, man. Yeah, um, this film stars the late, great Debbie Reynolds. Oh, so good. Judith Hogue, April O'Neil herself. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm saying her last name correctly, but April O'Neil herself. Why did it just now hit me that that's April O'Neil? I don't know. I thought that's one of the things we talked about. Like, oh, this it is April. It is, but like... Yeah, not only that... I don't know why it's 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 hitting me again. The best portrayal newness. of April. The best portrayal of April. Oh, she was for sure. great in, that, in, sure. in, in the Ninja Turtles film. And... She has not aged a day in this movie. No. And this is uh, almost, I think, eight or nine years after uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, she looks fantastic. Because she was replaced by an actress in the in the second and third movies. Kimberly J. Brown, also in this film. Joey Zimmerman. Emily Resk. R-O-E-S-K-E. Resk, okay, yeah. And Robin Thomas. The theme music. Th- a lot of great people worked on this film. The Man. theme music was composed by Mark Mothersbaugh. Of Devo. Sheesh. And Get out. He just recently did a great film, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I was going to say, he also did Thor Ragnarok, which we absolutely adore yeah. the soundtrack. And, yeah, incredible uh, score. Like, kind of electronic, you yes. know. Yes, and as you guys a, know yeah. from our theme song, we are here for the electronic jams. Yeah, he's a genius, Mark Mothersbaugh. I mean, Ugh. you know, look at Devo, and you just, that, that eccentric brilliance. So bizarre yeah. and cool. Yeah. This uh, movie was filmed in Oregon. Oh, so to, pretty. Just throwing out th- throwing out some uh, trivia there. And it is the first of a four-film series. Now, Halloween Town is the only film that's in the 90s. Right. Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge, <laughs> came out in 2001. Halloween Town High in 2004, and Return to Halloween Town in 2006. Yeah, I didn't realize they yeah. continued so late into... Yeah, these were popular films. Because I think I was like, I was 12 when it would have come out. Right. Uh, so I was probably passing the the age that I would watch it anyway. So without further ado, let's let's jump right into Halloween Town. Let's do it. Yeah. What we see at the very beginning is actually a very important part yes, of the film. Right. So we're coming out of some fall trees, as in like old dried up leaves. Right. Just the wonderful dried up leaves you see in the fall. You know, right before everything's is about to be renewed. Yeah. Everything's about to fall off, and then it's going to come back in in spring. But we love. The beautiful colors and 
I just love the smell of the leaves and all that. So, so oh, we, yeah. we see that kind of tree, and we're zooming in on a giant jack-o'-lantern. And then we go inside the jack-o'-lantern, and the candlelight in it goes out. Yes. Goes out. And that's significant. Of course. Which we find. We then move to a scene of trick-or-treating, and we move through these kids doing their their yearly nightly festivities. Their which romp. Which, you know, we truly miss being a kid. Oh, man. Really going to miss that it this was, year, yeah, too. Yeah, it was one of the best nights, yeah. We're still trying to figure out with, with all the... There you know, are lots of festivities that are trying to do some yeah, things that we can a safe do way, which safely, is good. Yeah, safely and responsibly. But, but man, I miss the real thing. Yeah, just you miss kind of being wide open with it. So we move through kids running, dashing here and there, and we stop on the Piper home, where 13-year-old Marnie Piper, played by Kimberly J. Brown, is arguing with her mother, Gwen, this is Judith Hogue, about wanting to go out on Halloween. Now, this is strange. Why would... You know, and a, why would you have to make a case for this? Right. Why? You know, because it was never. You know, it was just, hey, we're going trick or treating. Yeah. Even or at, or going to whatever Halloween festivity, right. whether well, it's at the school or whatever. Yeah. I was always excited to go. Yeah. So it was never. But here we see a mother telling her daughter, "You're not going out on Halloween." Uh, Gwen refuses to let her, even after her friends try to make a case, and her friends are all around her dressed up. Yeah, like they're going somewhere. And friends then, are. So Gwen says no and will not give an answer as to why she won't let her daughter, her oldest daughter, yeah, her oldest child, Marnie, go out trick-or-treating. Again, so there has to be something to it because of course, why would you prohibit and that? And she's standing her ground so fiercely. What we see is that Marnie has this inherent love for all things spooky. Yes. Like, like you and me and I. So many times during the movie I was like, she is me. Yes. I love Unfortunately, Gwen, her mother, is refusing. Just being a total stick in the mud. Yes. Just being a, yeah. Marnie is also being allowed to argue way too much. Yeah. As as parents. Oh, yeah. Whose child, uh, our oldest child, our son, is only six, but is learning the art very quickly. Yes. Of arguing. It ticks me right off. Right. And I'm like, wow, Gwen, you I should know. be. We you, were sitting there you going. You should have shut that down like 30 seconds ago. And I was like, okay, all right, okay. Even though you're being unreasonable. Right, you're by, being a butt for sure. Right. But like, whoa, Marnie. The other two siblings are present for this whole thing as well. There's, uh, there's the middle child, Dylan, <laughs> Joey Zimmerman. He's studious. He's kind of square. He has neurotic. Yeah. And He's has, like a little baby. Like He has no interest. Yeah. He's just like a little, like, I don't know, I don't know, just this yeah. little nerdy, like, little accountant. Yeah, he's like a fat, child. yeah, and he's a fact machine. Yes. And he has no interest in Halloween. He's like, I'm fine. This is cool. I'm used to it. I guess I guess he's kind of used to this. Yeah. And then the youngest child, uh, a young girl, yeah. Sophie, Emily Resk, she's kind of her own, mm-hmm. you know, there's something definitely, she's kind of doing her own thing. Uh, she seems like that kind of kid yeah. that marches to her own beat. She's staring out the window. Yeah, for the the whole the whole the, the scene opens with her staring out the window. Right. And what does she say? She says someone's coming. Right, and no one's coming. Right. So at immediately, the time, well, I, like I think immediately when she said that, I said, "Uh oh, right, little baby's got a third eye." It seems that way because <laughs> you know you Brooke, you remember that, and and you, mm-hmm. because nobody had come immediately. Yeah, I was like, well, 
Because at first I was like, well, maybe she means trick-or-treaters. Yeah. Because I think her brother's like, well, no, nobody comes to our house. Yeah. Dad is not present, and that's addressed pretty much immediately that, yeah. you know, uh, one of the siblings, I think the brother says, you know, don't bring up dad. It it bum- it, yeah, bums It, it bums mom out. Mom out. We, we don't know what, what has happened to dad at this point. We do know that he and Gwen met on Halloween, so which tells us, well, Gwen has some connection with Halloween. Right. But now she doesn't want her kids to take right. part of it. So there's something. We're has... seeing a few a few ends being matched, but we're not quite sure how. So we get this nice, you know, foundational, this family. Obviously, you know, mom cares about her kids, but something something's up. Yeah. With this Halloween she's, thing. Something she's not telling the kids, obviously. Suddenly flying out of the night sky outside <laughs> the house. We kind of go outside the house. And again, in the midst of the trick-or-treating and stuff, out of the night sky is a bus. <laughs> A peculiar-looking bus stop sign drops on the corner in the neighborhood. The bus hovers over the ground. So we're, we're immediately just, you know, hey, this is magic stuff. Right. It's happening. It's Yeah, it has arrived. No intro. And out walks a whimsically dressed older lady. This is Debbie Reynolds. Oh, she is actual magic. Yeah, she's wonderful in this movie, by the way. She, yeah. is, she is my favorite part of this movie. She floats down with an umbrella <laughs> and commands her bag to follow her. So... You know, and and again, we're we're watching this, and and immediately it's just okay. This is a a magical person. Yes, we just love it. None of the trick or treaters notice her arrival. Her parents suggest that she's a witch, though. Yeah, I would think, and her demeanor suggests that she's good. Oh yeah, she's got this sweet, like jolly look to her. Yeah, she she, she really has a, she has a perfect amount of mischief look to yeah. her, but like in a in a kind way. She had a great. Just, yeah. She her, was, her presence was yeah. perfect. Meanwhile, Gwen is continuing to not let her kids do anything in the house. <laughs> Guys don't exist. But then something pretty serious happens. She refuses the younger daughter, Sophie, a cookie. Sophie turns her back and angrily says she wants the cookie. And the cookie then, one of the cookies, it's on like a baking sheet. Yeah. I guess Gwen baked cookies only to say no about yeah. Right, yeah. Well, it was after Probably dinner. Probably after was, dinner. Yeah, I know. Like, you can have it I'm anything. being hard on Gwen because she is a total... She's a downer. Like, no factory right? for 90% of the movie. <laughs> no factory. The cookie hovers towards Sophie. Sophie doesn't see it, but Gwen sees it and frantically catches the cookie and eats it. She's not shocked. Yeah, so, she, says boom. Not, she says, not again. Right. So not only has this happened before with Sophie, but Gwen is very well aware. She's mm-hmm. not shocked when she sees the magic. So Gwen is somehow familiar with magical stuff. Right. So we were always like, okay, maybe I was right. Maybe little baby does have a third so eye these, of some kind. Yeah. So we're getting the idea that Gwen is hiding some serious stuff <laughs> from her kids. <laughs> this witch arrives to the Piper home, find that it's their grandmother, Agatha, also called Aggie in the film. Cute. Her arrival is actually a very happy occasion. The kids are, yeah, are really excited. happy to see. And I remember that being a kid, you know, when, when um, my mom... My Aww. mom's mom would show up. It yep. was just the happiest time. I think you know, by all rights, all grandmothers are magic. It, it I, just I, I, it, they just carry with them a magic. Yes. So it makes sense to make a grandparent a witch. Yes. If the if you're doing it right, I definitely want to have that. You know, mm. I, I hope that our kids' kids, you know, when oh, we come, are so excited. Uh, when you know. So yeah, it, it's a it's a happy occasion. The kids root through her bottomless bag, which is bottomless, ridiculously bottomless. It's quite obvious that not all this stuff that they're pulling out of the bag should fit in there. Right, it's a Mary Poppins bag but for sure. This is all baked into the cake with Grandma because we know she's magic. We saw her, you know, from the beginning. Yes. Agatha 
brings up the fact to Gwen that it's Marnie's 13th Halloween. And Gwen is hearing none of it. Nope. Continues Mm -hmm. to be the naysayer to Agatha's eccentric gifts to her grandkids, which are all Halloween-based. Yeah. Or magic-based. And, and Marnie knows every bit of it. Every, everything she pulls out, she's like, oh, that's a this and that's a that. Right. And then she pulls costumes out for the kids. Essentially pulls a Halloween party. Right she, out brings, of the bag. she brings Halloween to them. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. And Gwen is pissed. <laughs> that's that's what we know. Oh, God. When the kids are dismissed to get ready for bed after dinner, we see the real issues here. Yeah. First off, we find that William, uh, Gwen's husband, William Piper. Yeah. He had passed away. We don't know how, but obviously this was tragic. Yeah. Yeah. Agatha says, look, why don't you and the kids come back and live with me, wherever that is, right? (laughs) And Gwen says, no, I want to live a normal life. Who? I don't know. I don't know where this lady's from. I don't know. I would give anything to be from a magical somewhere. Right. I don't. I, I guess I've already some convinced our kids that we are from a magical somewhere, I guess, and that's a yeah. conversation for later. But I guess there's some people I, out there that just kind of want to. Well, I just want to get up and go to work and then come home. I and, mean, I get wanting. I get wanting. I mean, now let's let's take magic do, out of the equation. Uh, some people live a certain way, and they're like, "Well, I wish I could just be normal." Yeah, and, and I'm not knocking that. it. I, I think maybe my idea of okay, I think that's boring. Someone might love that. Right. I just think the idea of but like it's magic. I I don't know. Sometimes I think we we mix up. I think some, what some people see as normal is maybe they just kind of want peace. Yeah, I think I think that's n- nothing, more what she's saying. Nothing unexpected. Yeah, she wants peace. She wants to be able to expect regular things, regular issues, as opposed right. to maybe supernatural issues. Which I mean, right. to an extent, I, I it's guess kind I of the expected versus the unexpected. Right. You know, the, the 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 monotony. I guess there's a safety in monotony versus. The danger of adventure. And if she's lost her husband, we don't know how. Yeah, there I see is it. probably a deep need for okay. I just I need thing. I need to be able to control my environment. Yeah, it and is. And I about get control. that as a parent. I I do get that. It's definitely about control with Gwen. Yeah, and she's not. not and she's not coming from a bad place. No, she's like. I mean, look, we kind of we hate her a little bit right now, but like, we I understand as a mom, like she's just trying to protect her kiddos. And in fact, Gwen is like. She tells her mom, do not share anything about her life, as in grandma's life, or Gwen's, I guess, previous life with the kids. And, of course, the kids and Agatha all come together for a bedtime story. Look, grandma's here, you know? It is a very high occasion. So Gwen does allow, you know, Aggie, you know, because she loves her mom. Her mom loves the kids. Aggie's not bad. But... You know, she goes up to tell a, bed, a bedtime story where Agatha does the exact opposite of what Gwen immediately. asks. Immediately. immediately. She just like, goes, no problem, sweetie. Why Once I... upon a time. There's like... this magical place <laughs> called Halloween Town where monsters and ghosts and witches and all the like yep. live together in peace. Shows them a book. As a matter of fact, here I have this book I made about it. And like... Marnie's like, absolutely. This is what I've waited for and wanted. You know, yes. if I can't go trick or treat, I might as well read this book about this place called Halloween Town. And interestingly enough, there's an image of a young witch in the book that resembles Marnie. Yeah, Sophie says, look, it's it's Marnie. Leading Agatha to talk about their family, the Cromwells, which is her family and Gwen's maiden name. Yeah. So Gwen is Gwen Piper, but she was obviously a Cromwell. And there are obviously this, this really, really significant family. But before she can say anything, of course, Gwen comes in. Fun stops. Right. Lights go out. Golly. That's it. And, of course, mom and daughter 
Aggie and Gwen go back downstairs, and the argument continues. We find that the Cromwells are a powerful witch family. Agatha is powerful. Yes. Gwen is powerful, we find. Right. She's just, she's just, yeah. But she's just become like, I'm just regular mom with kids. Yeah. But apparently Gwen is a powerful witch, but she hides it. And Marnie is actually next in line to inherit this mantle of being a powerful witch. Well, and not only that, if she doesn't, if she doesn't start it, because really she should have been training all this time. Her powers are like completed by her 13th Halloween. Oh, okay. And the mom was saying, it's finally almost over. I'm going to get this 13th Halloween over and then I don't have to worry about her being a witch anymore. So mom is actually trying to sabotage her gifting. Yes. And I think that's and not kind for of a, a, I mean, it's from a good place on her part, but like, it's kind of like not giving Marnie right. a choice, obviously. And that kind of starts to kind of pry the lid off of what I think the message of this film is, right. which is, you know, a destiny is a destiny, a calling mm-hmm. is a calling, a gifting is a gifting. And it's up to the individual it truly is. And it's Mar- not, it's but not Marnie, for, yeah. yeah. The thing about Marnie is there's no question. She, in fact, has snuck down by this point and overhears the whole thing. Oh, yeah. About, about who gran- she is. Granny's a witch. Mom's a witch. She's next. And she even hears about Sophie. Yes. And she, see, she sees Agatha do magic. You know, ma- she like turns a cooked chicken into a live chicken. Yeah. And all that. And, but here's the thing Aggie is actually not only there to see the family. She's worried something is troubling her back home in Halloween Town, mm-hmm. which is real, which we knew that. Right. Apparently, all the monsters and supernatural beings that live in Halloween Town are changing, you know. Yeah, their natures are changing. Right. Becoming hateful, and then they disappear. She needs Gwen's help. In her words, I need another Cro- uh, Cromwell. Yeah, I need another Cromwell witch. That's a hard thing to say, Cromwell witch. And Gwen says the one thing that she said <sighs> the entire movie. No. Because she says it doesn't affect her. Right. She's trying to live her normal life. Agatha decides to leave. She's frust- you know, not not like she doesn't get angry, mm-hmm. but you can tell she's obviously frustrated. Well, Marnie loves all this. She is here for it. Yeah, she because she's validated now in right. this moment. She wakes up the siblings to tell them about it. No, just the brother. Right. Dylan doesn't believe it. Sophie's there, but when she notices Agatha leaving. Yep. They follow her to the strange bus stop and onto the strange bus. And the bus, which has Agatha and these other monsters, yeah. other monster passengers like Frankenstein's on there and stuff. Frankenstein's monster. A couple monster. of witches, yeah. Yeah. Suddenly begins to travel in a way that I can only describe as interdimensionally. Right. It, it obviously, it doesn't drive or fly through the air. It suddenly, I mean, it's flying, but it's not like through the air of our world. Yeah. Which they refer to they're as They're passing the, through something else. They're passing through something else. Which we refer to, I guess, our world as the mortal world. Right. They're going through a portal. And, of course, the bus then arrives in broad daylight (laughs) to a strange town crawling with very strange folk, exactly as Aggie described it. Yay. We see a large jack-o'-lantern, the one we saw at the very beginning of the movie. Yes, right. It's not lit, though, remember? It's on a pedestal that says Halloween Town, established long ago. Again with the long ago. Maybe at the same time... uh, um, Trantor's running around <laughs> snagging kids with uh, he yeah. what's his name his fin- na- Phineas Worrell. His nature changed. He was, right. He, he never he never came back from that. I would also just real quick like to point out a sidebar. I'm the full moon is staring in through our window. Is it? Yes. So I felt like that is, is it? Yeah. I th- it's foolish. 
I can't tell the trees are covered, but I, I feel like it. it's it's contributing to our witchy ambiance, and I feel I, I do needed see it. to point it out. Yeah, I've, it's behind me, so I have to kind of yes. I've been staring at it, summoning its power to me. It's wonderful. It's yeah. <laughs> well, Aggie immediately kind of goes into the town. She does not know that the kids have snuck onto the bus. The kids get out, and again, it's like broad daylight. They're immediately approached by a man who introduces himself as the mayor. His name is Calabar. He's kind of a handsome, dashing-looking dude. Yeah, he says, like, he, and he says he's a warlock too, which is a male. Witch. Yes, this is Robin Thomas, played by that right. actor. When the kids introduce themselves as Aggie's grandkids, he mentions Gwen. He's like, "Wait, you're Gwen's kids?" So Rutrow. Yep. Calabar fetches a cab for the kids to drive them to Aggie's, where the driver, a skeleton dude, Mm-mm-mm. I think he talks like he's from New York. <laughs> Right, I think that doesn't he? Doesn't he I, talk with like I this? Yes, maybe I don't remember. I don't. Know. I don't I, I, I'm suddenly but not remembering his voice. I don't know if he had a New York accent, guys. Go watch the movie. It just feels like he should because he's a cabbie, right? But he's uh he's a skeleton and he's nice. And he tells them to look out for bad folks like the kid named Luke. Right when they drive by him, I feel like that was a strange, like. We got to get him into the story somehow. Yeah, I, I was like, y'all are reaching a little. Look because out. Because I feel like if he's going to say, watch out for bad dudes, he'd mention like, hey, maybe this monster who is right. mean. But he's like, no, nah, this kid, he's kind of a punk. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> he's a, yeah, look out for this important character later. Exactly. It's like, hey, let me introduce this sidebar. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was a little forced, but that's all right. Yeah. So they get to Aggie's where they see that Sophie has magic powers indeed and gets past the locked gate to... Their grandmother's and house, and yet another, yet another commentary on what magic really is. It for for Sophie, it comes so easily because she's a kid. There's right. no, she hasn't had those years of you know finding out things and 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 our earthly wisdom. I suppose she's still so. Yeah. I just want this. I just well, like yeah. this, and it's, so magic comes to her without her really trying. Right. It's kind of like uh, in Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. It's why Lucy sees Aslan the most. Yeah, if, she's if the youngest, and she has the most like you know childlike faith. Yeah, and, and I think she loves Aslan the most. Of course, I could really go on about Chronicles of Narnia. That's a whole other day. Books. But and I, we I, will I think go that, over the the eighties movies eventually. But I think that the innocence and the purity of being young. Yeah. I think with that comes. The fact that you just know to look for all the right stuff because you're not really, I mean, you just. Yeah. You don't have anything that gotten, she doesn't have any like hurts and, and issues that get in the way. And right. It, and it's it's foreshadowing of what we will hear from grandma about how to really use magic. Right. So it's kind of like it goes before that. So when they get to Aggie's, she's, I mean, she has a moment of obviously being shocked, but she's she's loving it. She's like, "Come on in," and immediately gets to work indoctrinating them. Yeah, what's funny is that all she's the witch not, stuff. She's not all that shocked. She's like, "Oh hey, she's guys. like, oh hey, what's up? C- come? Yes, welcome. Begin your education." Right. Things get real when they discover this her looking glass, which really looks like a cauldron, but it has like I guess they they, yeah, they look into that it. She's put her her instant witch's breath. Yeah, and they can see what's going on. When they look into it, a sinister laugh is heard, and a monstrous face of this unknown figure is seen. Agatha says, you know, looks up and looks off into the, what do you call that? The uh, the middle distance. The Yeah, and says the worst <laughs> is yet to come. So obviously this looking glass, it can see what's going on in Halloween Town, I guess, you know, and, and, and something bad is happening. Yeah. And it has to obviously do with this figure, this uh, cloaked figure with this, kind of gruesome yeah, face. Yeah, he's got a, a weird, like, Creature of the Black Lagoon-looking face. Yeah, like a green, monstrous-looking face. And, and he's I would got, like, also a... like to add that I really would love a microwave that has double 
bubble toil and yeah. trouble as the buttons. Yeah, we see all the cool like. I you was know. like, yes, this is what I want, and now I'm actively looking for a cast iron cauldron on Amazon. Yeah, let us know when you find one. I will because I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the next Im- the, so <laughs> the important thing about this being at Aggie's house is we we discover the talisman as far as right. its importance to the story. There's this talisman, which which looks like a scepter with a crystal ball at the end. Mm-hmm. It looks like a flashlight that you'd buy at the store, you know, like with the circle, like with a pumpkin head or something. You know something. what it Except reminds me it's of? It's a crystal ball. It's like a, it's like a, a claw, like yeah. a, holding a ball. What it reminds me of is those, uh, at Lowe's, those watering orbs. Like you put water yeah. in it and you stick it in the plant and it like self-waters. That's what it looks like to me. Well, apparently this used to belong to Merlin, as in the Merlin. King Arthur's Merlin. That's the way you said it. Well, I mean, apparently, well, apparently it's belong to Merlin. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what she said. <laughs> like it's at a thrift, like a, at a yard sale. That's what she said. Yeah, I know. That's what she said. Right. Well, she's got to wake this thing up to make it, aka, make it light up. That's how we know it works. In order to use it to fight whatever's whatever. <laughs> As most technology does. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever's threatening Halloween Town, this talisman is key to um, defeating it. Okay. She uses instant witch's brew. Which she, she, you unscrew the bottom of the talisman, you pour it in, and it fails because they she used instant. Right. So they got to make it from scratch. They got to get all these ingredients. Yes. Like any good witchy tale. And the kids agree to help. Meanwhile, back in the mortal world, um, Gwen is eating the candy that Grandma That's brought. That's right. She, does, she doesn't even know that... Um, yeah, the kids are gone. She's because, doing what every well, mom does with the Halloween candy. Right, when the kids go to bed. Yes. And, and the thing about it is, though, is that um, even though a few hours, I guess, in Halloween Town have gone by, it, it, not a whole lot of time has gone by in the mortal world. Right. So Gwen, you know, has just kind of been sitting around for a little bit and eating some candy, and then she goes to check on the kids and realizes they're gone. Yep, every single one of them. Meanwhile, we need some more exposition. Right. <laughs> Got to get back to Halloween Town to get more exposition. Aggie tells the kids how Halloween Town came about. So apparently, in the mortal world, that's where humans and monsters used to live together. Right. Until they started warring against each other. It's called the Dark Times. <laughs> so apparently, monsters and witches aren't like inherently evil. No, she said that the issue was mortals feared. The, you know, vampires, monsters, witches, you know, know. the supernatural. And so they tried to hurt them. Well, and of course, they they defended themselves and retaliated. And she said, and it was causing them to act and become evil, which we are not. Right. And then she says, so we decided to create. good of everybody. Yeah, to create their own world in a separate dimension called Halloween Town. What is the deal? Humans, in all these stories, it's like even whether it's Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, yes. Lord of the Rings. Chronicles of Narnia. Humans are the problem. Yeah, I know. But I mean, aren't we? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, to be fair, like, look as the long as witches, and mo- if witches and monsters were cool and nice, I, I would love for them to hang around. I'd and, throw them a lot in them real quick. I don't know. So man. anyway, I'm kind of like, well, great, good job, humans. I know. Yeah, well, yet another one you foiled. Yeah, it's all right. So I have faith in us. When Aggie sees that one of her friends seemingly has turned evil uh what was it harriet harriet yep yeah we see her kind of for a With second her bad earlier. english accent yeah she's super nice and then aggie sees that one of her friends turned evil this is why they're out shopping for the uh ingredients for the witch's brew right well harriet was like five minutes before super nice yeah <laughs> and now she's like this decrepit yeah mean, she physically looks gross yeah 
Well, she runs and tells Calabar, who's hanging out. I think he's like in a in one of the stores or something. Yeah. And he says, uh, "This is what he tells her." He goes, "I think you've stumbled upon something very important, Aggie." Oh my god! And he goes, "I tell you what, why don't you leave it alone?" Yeah. What yeah, so in the I want world? you to leave it alone for a minute. He he goes full Robert Downey Jr. on him on her. Looks well, at, first he's like, "I think you've I I I, I think you've found something." Yeah, but then, and he's then like, it was you know, just sit on, just I'll, I'll take care of it. Give me two days. Give me two days. Right. Give me two days. I got it. And he gets real like charmy, like yeah. So eh. that like, that uh-uh. weirded me out. I don't know about Calibar. you, dude. Right. That so I'm weird. Also, out. your name's Calabar. Nobody in the whole story got a name like Calabar. Nobody nice would be named that anyway. No. Golly, I mean, like you know, we've got we've got sweet little grandma. We've right. got you know this person, that person, then Calabar. Yeah, right. Like, come on. And then we're we finally meet the town punk, which is Luke. He makes fun of Aggie. Like, why would you pick on an old right, lady? I know. And then he threatens you them with punk. Yeah, then he threatens them with his quote unquote like his powerful friends before running off. So anyway, so we see Luke for a second. He is a, and, yeah. and I love he's got the typical nineties chain on his like jeans. Oh yeah. He's cool. He's super cool. Yeah, I was like, All right, buddy, I know who you are. He's ridiculous. <laughs> but in his mind he's He's the bee's knees. Right. Well, Aggie decides to purchase Marnie a broom. And they go for a little fly. It so, is a, a pretty colorful bl- broom. So nothing. So despite Gwen's best efforts, you know, Marnie is becoming what she's meant to become. And speaking of Gwen, she shows up like as soon as they land. Like, what a great moment! You flew for the first time on a broom, and then there's Gwen, your mother, mm-hmm. ready to tell you no. But before we get to Gwen's mom, uh, Grandma says something really, really important about magic while they're up in the air on oh, that broom. Oh, that's right. What does she say? She says. You know, because she's like, how do you make this work, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, magic is simply um, wanting something and letting yourself have it. Ah, interesting. Okay. As if that, you know, I mean, that sounds very simple, but we, of course, as adults know it is not that yeah, simple. Yeah, overcomplicating. Which is know. why Sophie probably nails it. Right, true. she doesn't get that stuff, that our stuff, that she doesn't get in the yeah, way Yeah, all the her. layers and complexities that come yes, getting older. Yes, so again, that and that's going to come back. Magic is simply wanting something and letting yourself have it. Yes, keep that, yes. We'll highlight that, earmark put a, it. Put a pin in it. Yes. <laughs> well, Gwen's there. Like, as soon as they <laughs> land, Gwen, Gwen is ready. <laughs> right. This time, Marnie actually stands up to her mother and says, no, like, I, want I mean, to be fair, she's always standing up to her mother. I want but. to live this life. Yes. No, she, she actually says something poignant and not just rude. No, yeah, she actually stands up to her mom and, because mom is wrong. Yeah, mom is wrong here. But. Marnie is kind of a little right, pitted, Right, right. But, but. But still. She's still right she, in this moment. Right, but she still ends up leaving with her mother along with her siblings. The problem is the Halloween town bus isn't running, so they can't go anywhere. And Gwen decides, I know who can help. Let's go find whoever the mayor is. Right. Calabar. Yeah, she, she so, does not realize that's the mayor. Yeah, she goes, let's go meet. You know, town hall is right there. Let's go, whatever. So Gwen and Calabar meet, and we find that they have a history. Yep. It's quite obvious. Calabar still has a thing for Gwen. Gwen oh, yeah. Gwen, well, still, Gwen still seems to have some memories there. Yeah, all Calabar puts ones. some moves on Gwen. He like has a magic rose or whatever. Like he takes a dead flower, I think, makes it alive. Yeah, making the kids feel all weird. I know they're like, I'm sorry, who are you? There's nothing worse than being a kid and seeing two adults, you know, have 
yeah. something romantic going on. Oh, it's no. Like, I mean, I remember distinctly. Those right. Ones. My mom was a single mom. So right. seeing it's, those things happen, I was like, get out. Right. Now, you're a kid and crush. You know, when you're a kid, you're it's your crush and stuff. But it's like, no, not adults, though. That's no, not, they don't yeah. get to have. Right. They don't get to have romantic feelings. <laughs> and by the way, Calabar's office slash lair is kind of creepy. Like, in has crows. And yeah, like, we should get by now that. Like, hey, guys, there's this a lot. isn't what it seems. Right. <laughs> well, Gwen requests his help, returning her to the mortal world, but he's, of course, called away on an emergency. He can't help. He's like, look, just stick around. By a human pincushion. I will help you. Yeah, some, his assistant or secretary or whatever, she's nuts. Right. She's wearing, like, the notes with pins on it. Was, yeah, anyway. a literal pincushion. So he tells him to stay put. He goes, look, I, you know, I'll come back to this. Let me take care of something. Meanwhile, Luke shows up to harass Aggie again. You know, he what goes. A putz. Right. I'm just going to look for this old woman. That, you know. <laughs> Sheesh. Easy target, I guess. Even though she's not. Agatha is. She is actually, not yeah. at all. Well, he tells her that someone wants her talisman, as in Merlin's yes. talisman, yes. but refuses to give his name. She's like, Who wants my talisman? <laughs> I know. Who wants my talisman? I know. Well, that's she basically wanted to know who who's a what who wanted it. I know. I just love well, it. Luke refuses to give his name other than letting on that he's, he's powerful. He's taunting right? again. Well, while they're in Calabar's office, meanwhile, you know, Gwen and the, the girls and, and Dylan, Marnie finally puts Gwen on the spot, forcing her to tell the truth about their family history, right. about their powers and the Cromwell family and all that jazz. When Sophie sees Aggie and Luke walking together, Marnie, Gwen, and the siblings follow them. Because they're kind of like, hey, you know, again, Sophie seems to be the one that notices She's some, very intuitive. something important is going on. And they see Aggie and Luke go into a closed movie theater. Once in the theater, Aggie finds her friend Harriet and many other citizens of Halloween Town, excuse me, <clears throat> frozen in their seats. So they're kind of sitting there. They have like moving. cobwebs and stuff all over yeah. them. Suddenly, a cloaked figure, the same one that we saw in the looking glass. Yes, in the cauldron. Yeah, appears and reveals to Agatha that they're they're not dead, but frozen in time until he needs them. He then requests the talisman. When Aggie refuses, he starts to kind of cast spells, like you know, and it's she, very, he's very melodramatic, right? Which she dodges. She's pretty limber. I mean, there's limber and there's nimble. Yeah, nimble. Jack be nimble. Jack be quick. Yeah, that, that was the word. There we go. That's, Voca- that's vocab word. <laughs> vocab word, nimble. So oh, Aggie, gracious. even in her age, is able to dodge these spells. Gwen and the kids come in, and they're they're pulled into this situation. Yes. Luke, who has decided to take a seat, and he's just watching. He's like, yeah. He's like enjoying the whole thing going on in front of him. He's suddenly disturbed by this. Yeah. Because what he didn't realize was that, I guess, this big bad guy Wants to hurt these people. So he's yeah. like, wait a minute. You said that they weren't going to be hurt. I didn't sign on for this. I yeah. thought we were just going to... I don't know what he thought was going to happen. But... Well, it's because of what he did for him. True. We find that out later. Yeah. So he, he had motivations, but... But, but just, we see you know, that Luke... Ac- yeah, we see that Luke actually isn't evil. No, Just mis- misguided, obviously. But but he didn't like that this, this creature, whatever... Is uh, this evil, you know, being? Yeah, is trying to hurt us. Is trying to hurt. Well, um, it's trying to hurt people. It's like I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah, and he specifically said, "You said you wouldn't hurt Aggie." Yeah, like he. So he goes to leave, and then Gwen immediately uses magic, and we see it for the first time. Yeah, 
And it's cool. It was. It's one of my yeah, favorite parts Yeah, she kind of pulls movie. a Molly Weasley. I love that kind of stuff, though. Yeah. Like, I love those kinds of, I guess, devices in films mm-hmm. where you see someone who's kind of been like, they're doing everything they can to reserve who they really are. And then when it comes out, it's like, oh, wait. So yeah, Gwen, hold up now. Gwen is powerful. She casts a spell on Luke to stop him from leaving. In an attempt to save Aggie, Gwen is hit by one of the spells. You know, he's yeah. shooting at Aggie and she tries to, like, you know, save her mom. She's hit and frozen. Aggie's then hit and frozen. And only the kids are left to, to escape. Yep. So Marnie is now in charge. And uh, Grandma says, you know, it's fine. We're only frozen in time. Right, because he told me that five minutes ago. I know. I'm We're like, not listen, dead. It's cool. that's not necessarily, like, fine. <laughs> like, guys, well, at least they're not dead, right? True. So, they're frozen. We can, we can remedy this. So the kid's set to making that witch's brew. So Marnie's like, look, we know that the talisman's important. We can't have the instant witch's brew. We got to get the ingredients. Got to get the made from scratch witch's brew. It's like the, the we don't use the bisquick. No. So, and you we get know the, the flour, difference. you get your eggs, you right. get your Right. You got to make it from scratch. powder, yeah. Right. So what are the ingredients that they need? Well, that's what the next few minutes is dedicated to. It's like a vampire's tooth, hair from a werewolf. Yeah. And it's like the next let's say 5 minutes or so is them going to different locations and very comically getting yeah. Various ingredients for the It's very reminiscent of Into the Woods with, you know, the cow is white as milk, the cape is red as milk, yeah. the hair is yellow as corn, so it's right. That's what it makes me think of. Well, they make the brew in the end. They're able to get everything they need. And thanks to Sophie, are able to remember the spell. Sweet baby girl. To activate Merlin's talisman. Or Merlin is looking I know they're down. like, oh man, if only we could remember. And then she's like, just yeah. singing it like, no I, big deal. Yeah, and I think the, uh, the closed captions totally botched it. I was trying to read it and I was like, <laughs> What is that? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. I was like, and okay, Sophie whatever. kills me because she really reminds me of our daughter. Like, <laughs> she yeah, is, well, because she's the one. She's the different one. She's uh, yeah. Our, right. our goddaughter is that she's the different one. She's the one who's playing off into space and then comes right. back with these little songs she makes up. And yeah. she's definitely and y- a witch. Yossi's the Marnie. She's definitely a witch. <laughs> and I think Yossi, our son, is, is. is more like he is, is. He's more like Marnie. He he is. You know what he's all about. Yeah, he knows what he's about. And he he's take, gonna let yeah. you know it. Right. Yeah, I saw we saw a lot of our kids in, <laughs> yeah, in this well, movie, which was sweet. And that's always cool when you're watching those films yeah. and you can see either yourself or, you know. So anyways, w- the the kids are able to get the talisman on. It's it li- yeah. it lights up. It works. They work they yeah, they do it all together. Yes. In some always way. important. Dylan is he's reluctant, but right. he's trying. So they get back to the theater where Marnie suddenly realizes that the talisman must be placed into the giant jack-o'-lantern. It, she has this, like, epiphany, like, wait, we have to relight the jack-o'-lantern. Right, right. Because I know one thing One thing that we forgot to mention, when they get to Halloween Town, she goes, you know, the jack-o'-lantern's different. It looks different. Right. It looks, like, scarier. Yeah. So they... And I don't remember that. I, I, remember, I remember it I stood just, out yeah. to me. I just remember the significance of the light going so out So they the all, re- like, even when they first got there, they're like, something's off. Yeah. So when she has this epiphany, I bet that's probably part of it. Yeah. She realizes that part of the magic is we've got to get that that giant jack o' lantern. I guess it's kind of like the, the beacons are lit. It's kind of like the heart of <laughs> yeah. of the town. So she goes into the square to light it with the talisman, which is again it just looks like a, a, a flashlight type. Right. Thing. Well, I mean, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying. Yeah, I can't win them all. It's not like it's not like a fire or anything. No, but it Mar- can only be lit through magic and the spell and the stuff. So Yeah, Marnie goes for it, but she's stopped by Luke. Not not trying to run interference. He's, yeah. He wants to help. Yeah, sweet boy. He, he's, he he's, changes. Yeah, he changes. Suddenly, the cloaked figure arrives. He's on top of City Hall. 
and he announces his plan to the town. And it's a lot. Right. Oh, it's yeah. Just, no, yeah. There's a lot happening. Yeah, just no. It's like he's... It's melodrama. Yeah, I think wind's blowing. Yeah, oh, yeah. And everybody stops and listens like, oh, what's going on up here? Like, oh, hey, cloaked man. Right, they just this stop This is and usually listen. a good time. And the the plan is, you know, he, whoever this guy is, mm-hmm. has this long-standing grudge about what happened between the monsters and the humans right. in the mortal world. So he wants to go to the mortal world, attack the humans, and take that world back. Right. And the He's figure... vengeance on the brain. Right. And if that's not enough, the figure reveals himself to be Calabar. Oh! <gasps> <It>, <laughs> shock I mean, of shocks. I know. It tore our hearts into... We were rendered. Yeah. So, fun fact... In my classes currently, we're talking about dark romanticism in in literature, mm-hmm. and when I'm when I was watching this, I couldn't help but think of it. I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's supposed to dark romanticism and like gothic stuff." Sure, it's character. You've always got ghosts, you've got the supernatural, you've got bad weather, which happens when he comes a burdened male protagonist. Yeah, a damsel in distress. It right. has like literally all of the elements that I've been discussing with my students. I was like. Man, maybe I should show them Halloween Town. Yeah, it'd be great. They'd probably like that. That would more be than watching something from like you know British lit. Any excuse uh, to yeah. show a movie like that to the uh, class? Yes, to pick apart Calabar. And then if like an administrator walks in, you'd have a lot of fun explaining. I that know, all. and I'd be like, "Hey, it's American lit. This is an American movie with all the tropes right. of romanticism. You're welcome. S- sit down and watch. Right, it'll be great. Enjoy." Well, the figure is, as we said, revealed to be Calabar. No shock there. No. And he calls on all Halloween Town to follow him. Which isn't... He never really gets a good response, I realized. I think... I think at the one, people are like, well, I mean, I think they do show two people kind of like nod heads. Like, yeah, yeah, you know. Up. I think he might have a point. We might want to kind of maybe see... We should look into this. Let's let him finish. Right. You know, but, I don't have anything. But, I mean, let's make no mistake. There's no uproar from the town. He's just right. kind of in flame and glory. Yeah. Shouting things. Right. So it's kind of funny. Well, Luke and Marnie are hiding Yeah, all the while. Plotting. And Luke is able to convince Marnie he, he wants to help. Marnie you know, doesn't believe him at first, right. but he's able to convince her. And he is able to distract Calabar while Marnie makes a break for the giant jack-o'-lantern. Calabar, however, is, you know, fairly clever. He's pretty smart. He's able to subdue Luke, and then he turns and before... Marnie is able to kind of get into the the jack o' lantern. The jack o' lantern. He shoots her with one of his magic like orbs or whatever. Orbs, yeah, whatever. And gives a great line. The line of the film here. <laughs> you see, my friends, the power of evil is stronger than the power of good. Oh man. Oh, I'm like, okay. Oh brother. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there was there was some serious writing sessions that went into that one. I don't even know. If, yeah, uh, we were both just like, all right, all right, cool. <laughs> Saying the quiet part out loud. Yes. The only person, the only bad guy could actually see saying something so like, <laughs> ridiculous and actually being and serious co- about it. Serious, cool, and convincing yes. would be Skeletor. Oh, God. Only yes. Skeletor can say overtly evil things and me be like, that's because but, he's sarcastic, too. Right. So it makes sense. Calabar is 100% no, serious. You can't take a page out of Skeletor's playbook. I mean, no. Calabar is no Skeletor. Too late, though, for Calabar, because even though he's hit Marnie, she is able to drop, you know, she was half bent, you know, yeah. crawling into the thing, but she's able to drop the talisman in the pumpkin, yeah. and it breaks the spell, and it causes the, the, the frozen people to wake up. Yeah. 
So Gwen and be, and be restored. Yeah, and here come Gwen and, and Aggie. Aggie, and now Marnie's there, and they join together to face Calabar. And guess what? Another bombshell. Guess who else is magical? Dylan. Yay, Dylan. <laughs> Dylan discovers he's a warlock. Because he gets really upset. Yeah, and you see like... And then he starts going emperor. Sp- yeah. You know, he starts going Palpatine Little on sparkles us. come out of his Yeah, and fingers. he's like, whoa, hold up. And all three Cromwell generations are able to defeat Calabar. They come together and... And the dialogue here, again, they, is they, a lot what from, they, they on kinda, Calabar's part. Yeah, they like... In, they. They do a spell all together as a yeah. family, right? Mm-hmm. They hold, do, they, do they hold hands? Yeah, they hold yeah. hands and, you know, are able to defeat Calabar. It's, it's, you Love know. Love conquers all. Right. That's that's the greatest magic. The message of every story. Gwen and Marnie reconcile. You know, they kind of have a moment, a neat yeah. mother-daughter and moment. And Mar- Marnie's definitely like, look, Mom, like, right. you're right. About, there's a lot of things you're right about, and I'm sorry right. for, for being a butt. But the big thing was Gwen saying, hey, I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you know, cool. you you can't, you can't, you know, again, you can't run from who you're meant to be. Yeah, and that goes and not really, just for Marty. Was doing that. That goes for Gwen. Yeah. Gwen is meant to be a witch as well. Aggie, of course, is so happy about her witch family. Yes, <laughs> she's just loving it, living her best life. So Marty catches up with Luke, and we discover he's hiding under the cloak. Right, and we discover his true form. He's some sort of like goblin boy. He's got. Yeah, so that was what Calabar did for him. Yeah, that was the deal. Yeah. He traded his service to Calabar for good looks. He claimed he was handsome, which is debatable. Well, I mean He was a, I mean he was a cute kid, but I was kinda like I I mean Yeah. He had a chain on yeah. his He yeah. did have he had the chain. He, he had, had the, the Jinkos and the chain. Marnie thanks him for his help. They share a sweet moment. She kisses him on his little chin. Yeah, like a platonic moment, you know. But it seems that Luke He was had, like, I want to get a date with yeah, you. Yeah, he has like a crush on her and yeah. You know, Marnie, obviously, sweet and appreciative, and they have kind of a sweet friendship platonic moment. Yeah, she's like, hey, let's be friends without Gwen, saying, yeah. hey, let's be friends. So Gwen then invites Aggie to live with them in yeah. the mortal world, which she accepts to everyone's jubilation in the family. And then the Pipers slash Cromwells all leave on the bus. Yeah, and the- all, all uh, what's her name? Aggie needs is her bag. I was like, where's her stuff? And well, you- I figured, yeah, I said, well, it's probably on the bag. I mean, yeah, it's probably true. All you got to do is say magic. Her little house and her That explains it. Magic. True, that's right. Magic. It's magic. And so they all leave on the bus, flying back to the mortal world as the rest of Halloween Town bids them farewell in front of the newly lit jack-o'-lantern. Yep. And all is well. Happy endings. For now. We know there's three more movies. Right. We'll have to to see what what becomes of the Cromwells slash Pipers. Good movie. Really sweet, really. We, it, it really we was. Our kids liked it too, and had just enough of the the Halloween. You know, look, it, it's not going to like freak out anybody. It's nobody's going to be creeped no. out. I mean, yo, you know, our kids might have been kind of, you know, but our kids are young. Maybe little little kids would be creeped out by. Um, no, if anything, Calabar, Cal- Calabar. Is, is pretty funny. Like, yeah, not, not intentionally. It's it's just good fun. Yeah, but it does have it's a, whimsical, right? And it has that. The, the things you remember about Halloween is, you know, as a kid worked in there, you know. Yeah, I think my favorite things about the movie were just, just the, the seeing the, the family unit and how they kind of end up all falling into their destiny. Like, I mean, right. you know, we have Sophie at the beginning who knows something's coming. And then when we cut to Halloween Town, we see Aggie who also looks out the window and says, hmm, someone's coming. So, like it gives you those little moments of connection between all of them. And yeah. I love that. 
My favorite part was seeing Gwen yeah. go from someone who obviously had lost sight of who she was meant to be and was trying not to be who she mm-hmm. was meant to be. I'm telling you, that scene where she comes in and casts that spell on Luke, I'm like, cool. okay, you're like, you're powerful. You know, yeah. you you obviously are are are, pre- are somebody that obviously in your heyday as a witch, no one would want to mess with you. And it makes me I, wonder about the dad too, like because she met him in Halloween. They met at a Halloween party. He liked her witch costume, right? And if she was so eager to put all that away, it makes me wonder because mom didn't, Aggie didn't like him. Yeah, she still was like well, that husband. Like she never seemed to approve. So I'm like, oh, I wonder well, what the circumstances it's were. Possible she just might not have liked that he wasn't true, like, magical. True, because true. Dad was portrayed fairly positive. Yeah, no, he was, but it just, it makes me wonder what that dynamic was that she wanted to just completely turn her back on it after he passed. I don't know. That's don't that's know, just the that's just the. I never took my away my brain not stopping. I never took away from from the story that that Dad was uh, in, any kind of negative. No, you know? no, 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 no. no. I think that I think that maybe that might have been a mistake on Aggie's part, just maybe being judgmental. Yeah. You know, oh, Aggie. And I know we're getting pretty deep into it, but I, it seems to me As that the, that the dad <laughs> took care of his wife. The kids loved him. He the, the kids were great. Yeah, great well. kids. So obviously, you know, I I just you know I never got that from it, but I think that's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, I just I like I like to entertain the possibilities of there could there there of that what history. layers there are there. right. Yeah, and, yeah, and and the fact that you can actually draw some layers, yeah, it means that that it was a well done story, and the characters, yeah, were, were, and they don't give really you well every, they developed. don't give you absolutely everything, and I like that. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, and and even for something as simple as as Halloween Town, which yeah. the, the plot was fairly simple. Oh yeah, uh, you have some depth there, and and again, that's you know that's always great to be able to to you know find that stuff. Absolutely. So. Well, guys, uh, if you've been with us. Thank you for your time. You know, we mentioned that at the beginning. We love our listeners. We appreciate our listeners. And we are only approaching the halfway point of High Spooky Month. There's yes. still a lot. There's still oh, a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got a lot of stuff coming up that we're excited about. Stay Re- tuned on our Instagram. We'll be posting and letting you guys yeah, know what's, yeah. what's coming down the pipe. Really excited about next week's episode. So, uh, yes. you know, if you're checking out our Instagram, then you're not going to have to worry about, you know, missing out on that. But it's definitely going to be an exciting one. Why don't we wrap this thing up, though? Mm-hmm. 50th episode. Yay. Really excited. We did it. Yeah. We did it. And here's to 50 more. So, <laughs> yes. yeah. We hope you guys are staying safe and doing well out there. And uh, thank you again for listening. And we'll see you next Thursday for more great 80s and 90s nostalgia on the Tape Store podcast. We hope to see you next week. Yes. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.